Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Jade. And I'm Bruna. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns on those with a visible difference. Now, for those of you who listen regularly, you may have guessed things are slightly different. Um, There's no Nadia on this episode. So she will be still co-hosting, don't worry, and producing the podcast. But our little podcast team has expanded. So we are really excited to introduce Bruna Costa, um, a new team member for the podcast. And this is her big debut. Hi everybody, I'm really looking forward to being a part of this podcast. I've been a key listener for a long time and I'm really excited about being on the other end of things going forward. I love that. That almost as well sounded a little bit like, you know, in the job interview, you're like, why do you want this role? It's like, I really like this job. (laughs) I think it's great. Like, honestly, we're so happy to have you, Bruna. And I'd like to mention that Bruna is not a stranger to CAR. She has been working at CAR since, is it 2017? Am I right? Yeah. Okay, that yeah. was a, that was a good guess. I was thinking a year after me because I started in 2016. But yeah, uh, and is currently doing a professional doctorate at UE in health psychology. Actually, as well, Bruno and I, little fun tip, we went to the same secondary school. We did. Yeah, we've known each other for a while. <laughs> Very long time. So this is actually kind of, I don't know, nice. I wonder if any of our teachers will listen. But anyway, Bruno, perhaps you'd like to mention some of the work that you've been doing and what you've been involved in at CAR so far. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jade. So um, as Jade said, I've been a research associate at CAR for about a bit over three years now. My background is in health psychology and yeah, I'm in the final year of my doctorate. Um, The focus of my work to date at CAR has been mostly on the psychosocial impact of visible differences on people affected. And I've done lots of work, particularly on craniofacial conditions such as cleft lip and or palate. So much great stuff. Um, And yeah, now That's kind of our introduction and your introduction to Bruna. So welcome. And perhaps we should just get into the episode now. Let's do it. So here in the UK, which is where CAR is based, if you're not already aware, we have had numerous lockdowns. I believe it's about three, but honestly, I lose count the days, the weeks, the months, they blur into one. Yeah, same here. But um, yeah, the first lockdown was announced here in the UK on the 23rd of March 2020, when the public were urged to stay at home and only essential travel and business could continue as usual. So since then, we've actually had a couple more lockdowns and we currently find ourselves in one. We won't dwell on that too much, but yes, (laughs) we do. And exactly. I seriously can't believe it's actually been nearly a year since the first lockdown, you know, March 2020. We're nearly... March 2021. But anyway, just a quick reminder to our listeners, if you are wanting more on the topic of the pandemic, both Nadia and I discussed managing body image and food wobbles during lockdown on episode 49. And just a bit of a spoiler as well, next month we will be doing an episode on eating disorders and lockdown coming full circle uh, in, in 2021. But yes, the pandemic and subsequent lockdowns meant that for a large proportion of us, our normal day activities changed almost, it kind of seemed, well to me, overnight. Yeah. And a lo- yeah, and a lot of our lives just went online and we began interacting on things like Zoom calls and what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been a huge shift into how we socialize and interact with one another um, beyond the people in our own home 
Exactly. And for some people, they're not with anyone else in their their home. So that's very different circumstance. And then on the 24th of July in the UK, there was the addition of the face coverings, which became mandatory for those visiting shops, meaning when going out in public, a significant part of the face was covered. It also means when you left the house, you, you added mask to the list of things you needed to remember. So there's like the statement, oh, I forgot my mask. Well, that's something that I started to make a regular thing for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, keys, purse, wallet, phone. Oh, yeah, and my mask. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for all these reasons we already mentioned, it begs the question about how everything has impacted specifically people with visible differences. Completely. And there were a lot of adaptions made over the course of the last year. And, and we'd like to really reflect on that, too. Yeah, for sure. And so before we introduce our guests who will talk more about this important topic, um, we know that previously in the podcast it's been described what a visible difference is. But for the purpose of this episode and anybody who hasn't listened before, a visible difference is an appearance that is different to the accepted quote unquote norm. It can result from a congenital condition like a cleft lip and or palate, an illness or disease like alopecia, an injury like a burn or as a result of medical treatment like a mastectomy. Great, great way of explaining it. And um, I know that not all visible differences are just like confined to the face. But if we're thinking about some of the things that have changed in light of the pandemic and lockdowns, we're, like we said, on online a lot more. We're on Zoom calls, which is showing a lot more of the face and just the upper part of the body and showing a lot less of your body itself. But also face masks and face coverings are covering a lot of, yeah, your facial features too. So just thinking about all these adjustments that's had to be made in the pandemic and how that may have changed the way those with visible differences think and experience, you know, their appearance more broadly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, there are so many things to consider when it comes to the pandemic and this issue and how people with a visible difference experience their appearance in this new normal we're living in at the moment. So I'm definitely excited to explore this topic more through the very interesting conversations that we've had with our guests today. Great. That's a really good segue, Runa. <laughs> You're already smashing this on your first day on the job. Great. <laughs> well, it's technically not your first day, but the first time we're doing this recording. So yeah, amazing. <laughs> and on this episode, we are firstly joined by fellow members of CAR, which Bruna talks to. Um, so we have CAR's co-director, Professor Diana Harcourt, as well as Dr. Pipatolo and Ella Guest. And then we get to hear from Catherine Deakin, who is the director of fundraising and communications at Changing Faces. Great. So our first guests are Di, Pippa and Ella, and they all do a great job introducing themselves on the interview. So I won't double their efforts here. But I do want to mention that during our chat, they are describing two research projects which have been conducted at CAR over the past few months. One is quantitative and one is qualitative, but both are similar in the sense that they're looking at the experiences of people with a visible difference during the pandemic and the lockdowns. Great. And this is your first podcast interview as well. So let's jump straight in. Let's do it. Hello. Di, Pippa and Ella, thank you so much for joining us on Appearance Matters, the podcast today. I wonder if you could start by introducing yourselves, um, your research for anybody who's new to the podcast. Hi, I'm I'm Di Harcourt. I'm one of the co-directors of CAR and my research interests are in the field of visible difference and a lot of those around altered appearance, specifically burns and cancer treatment. 
Hi, I'm Pippa Tono and I'm a research fellow at CAR. My research focuses on the psychosocial impact of parents altering conditions. Um, particularly, I work in burns and cancer. Hi, I'm Ella Guest and I'm a research fellow at CAR and I also uh, research the psychosocial impact of appearance altering conditions. Um, my, my work focuses on psychosocial adjustment and also looking at reducing stigma around appearance altering conditions. Perfect. Well, it's great to have you all on the podcast today. As you're aware, this episode is focusing on the impact of COVID and lockdown, particularly on those with visible differences. Um, so to begin, I'd like to start by asking what research has been conducted at CAR on this topic? Thanks, Bruna. Um, so we've done a couple of studies. Um, it's been, well, we've when we first went into lockdown about it, almost a year ago now, we started to think about whether lockdown and COVID might present some specific challenges to people who have an unusual or a different appearance, such as cleft lip, alopecia or scarring. And we're interested in this because social distancing and self-isolation has involved us all staying at home and reducing our in-person face-to-face social interaction. And that resonates with the pre-lockdown experiences of some people, not everyone, but some people who have a visible difference. So some might have previously had periods of isolation, for example, after repeated surgical treatments, and they might find that lockdown is a reminder of difficult times they've had in the past. But we also know from previous research that people who look different in any way often report that the reactions of other people, such as staring or asking questions or avoiding them when they're out in public situations, such as um, cafes or shops or public transport, if you can if you can remember what those things used to be like, um, those things situations can be very challenging for some people. And that might cause them to become very anxious about such situations. And that can result in social avoidance, potentially avoiding social interaction. So for some people, the difficulty of lockdown might be eased because their previous experience of social avoidance, or it might mean that they feel that they've got a bit of a reprieve from the distress that that might be caused by the repeated unwanted attention that they may receive when they're in public situations which aren't they're not going to be in anymore but we also thought that lockdown could be reducing the opportunities to challenge negative societal reactions to people who look different and reduce the opportunities that opportunities they had to develop or practice strategies that we know can help them manage difficult situations Then at the same time, during lockdown, a lot of our interactions moved online, whether that's for social interactions or work settings. So we've been using Zoom, Skype, Teams, like just like we are right now. And that typically means that we only see people's faces rather than their their whole body. So we wondered whether actually is this drawing attention to people's faces and is using things like Zoom going to be a particular concern for people with visible differences that affect their face and might they feel that their their altered appearance is now more on show than it was before or it could it be the case that if people are feeling very conscious of um, showing their visible difference on on zoom or online platforms then maybe they would limit those into video interactions to people that they already knew and familiar with and new or comfortable with rather than speaking to 
people that they weren't usually talking to, to strangers, for example. And then there's the whole question of face coverings, which became compulsory in many settings. And we wondered how that might be for people whose visible differences would be covered up by a mask. So, for example, if their, um, if their visible difference affected their nose or their chin or their mouth, would they find it easier if it meant that people couldn't see their visible difference? But then how would they feel when masks aren't going to be compulsory? Or it might mean that they feel that a significant part of their identity and something that's really important to them is being covered up and they might not want to do that. So all that meant that we 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 were left with lots of questions wondering what it might be like for people with visible differences. And as this was a completely new situation for everybody, um, being researchers, we felt that this was something that would be important to understand more about because of the potential social and behavioural consequences of the pandemic and lockdown, whether people with a visible differences might have, there might be a unique impact and experiences for that particular group of people. So we decided we would do some research. That's lovely. Thank you, Di. And Ella and Pippa, I know that you both led on different projects uh, that tackled this issue. So I wonder if you could tell us a little more about that. Ella, perhaps you'd like to tell us about your project first. Sure. So we wanted to conduct a quantitative study to understand the potential impact of the lockdown on people with visible differences, in particular, actually adults. Um, so we sent out an online survey to our mailing list that we have at CAR of people that are interested in taking part in research. And we collected responses from uh, the start of June last year to uh, the start of July. So we captured people in the period where lockdown was just beginning to ease um, and this allowed us to capture data about their experiences during the lockdown and then as things were starting to change. We had 98 adults with visible differences take part and that was including a range of different conditions. Um, the people that took part were aged between 18 and 75 years uh, and about 80% of them were female. Um, and really what we looked at generally was how the lockdown was impacting them practically in terms of um, whether they were social distancing, what their working situation was like, but also whether the lockdown had an impact on how they felt about their condition and specifically about their appearance. That's great. Thank you so much, Ella. And Pippa, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about um, your project. Yeah, absolutely. So as part of this work, we also completed a qualitative interview study. So we interviewed 21 adults with a facial difference to explore their experience of the coronavirus outbreak and of lockdown in the UK. As Ella says, we also interviewed people around that same kind of time when lockdown was easing to get an idea of their experiences in lockdown and also how they were feeling as restrictions lifted um, back in June 2020. We then analysed those interviews using thematic analysis. So that allowed us to look for common themes or patterns in people's experiences. And really, this kind of complemented the quantitative survey that Ella describes. So whereas in a quantitative survey, you can ask a huge range of questions and do really interesting things like compare different groups. The interview study allowed us to kind of really dig deeper and ask more in-depth questions for that small group of people to find out more about what their experiences were and what was important to them. That's really interesting. Thank you. And so I'm wondering what came out of your projects? What did you find? 
So in terms of the quantitative study, we I think in future we'll we'll send um, this survey out again and try and understand uh, the longer term impact. So at the moment we only have a sort of snapshot of what we collected last year in the middle of 2020. We found that actually uh, quite a proportion of the sample were um, had had a change in the working situation due to COVID, which I think is the case for lots of people, not not necessarily just this sample. Um, and of those, around half of them were working from home. And this kind of relates to what Di's been talking about in terms of people having to adapt to doing meetings online. Um, and there's a potential uh, impact in terms of people having to be very visible on Zoom and us having to be kind of confronted with seeing ourselves and that kind of thing. So it's interesting to see that a lot of the sample were working from home. And we, we also had some who were furloughed, some who remained in the same working um, working conditions and some who were unable to work or were made redundant as well. So we also asked them about the sort of impact of lockdown on uh, a number of different appearance behaviours. And what we found was that in terms of practices that are often used to kind of change our appearance on a day to day basis, things like um, hair removal practices, uh, putting on makeup, that kind of thing, those behaviours had decreased during the lockdown. So people have been doing less of that um, and people were starting to do things like growing their hair more and or wearing um, wigs less, that kind of thing. Um, so that's quite interesting to see how being at home had sort of changed people's um, appearance practices that they might usually carry on a day to day basis. We also asked people whether they felt that lockdown had changed how they felt about their appearance and about 65% of them said that they did think that the lockdown had an impact on how they felt about their appearance. And when we broke that down further, we could see that actually for men, um, that was about 50-50, about 50% felt it had had an impact and 50% had felt that it hadn't. Um, whereas with women, uh, the, the percentage was higher, so more women felt that it had had an impact on them. So we also wanted to assess um, the impact of the lockdown on um, individuals in terms of a number of constructs. So social anxiety was one thing, um, body esteem, so the kind of self-esteem relating to uh, the appearance on their body, um, and also fear of negative appearance evaluation, which is the concerns we have about being judged negatively based on how we look. Um, and we, we had some really interesting findings in terms of that when we compared um, those with a visible difference to a population who didn't identify as having a visible difference. So we found that there was no difference in terms of uh, how people felt about their body esteem or um, social anxiety in those with or without a visible difference, but that those with a visible difference reported significantly less fear of um, negative appearance evaluation than those in the general population. And that's quite interesting because often we might find that fear of negative appearance evaluation is quite high in those with a visible difference. So it's possible that that relates to people feeling less judged when they're at home, they're going out less in social situations, um, they're going out wearing masks, so actually perhaps they feel less judged generally. So that's something that we'd like to follow up in future and see whether that changes um, as we go forwards. Um, we also had some findings in relation to uh, how they found the lockdown um, more kind of descriptively. So um, people often found it quite positive to be using video conferencing 
um, software because they felt that it helped them to actually become a bit more um, used to their appearance altering condition and where they might normally try and hide it or avoid looking at it themselves. Um, they felt that this was actually a way for them to kind of expose themselves to it gradually, get used to it and experiment with showing their condition a bit more or wearing a bit less makeup. So there was some kind of positive um, potential aspects of being able to work from home and being in the lockdown. Perfect. That's very interesting. Thank you, Ella. Pippa, can you tell us a bit more about what you found in your qualitative study? Yeah, so interestingly, um, the findings of our qualitative study supported lots of the things that Ella has described for you. So we found that participants expressed some relief from the day to day public interactions that were potentially causing anxiety prior to lockdown. But then they also discussed some concerns about them returning to normal when lockdown finished um, and perhaps the impact that lockdown may have had on their confidence um, and those kind of skills that they were taking for granted beforehand. So we also noticed people's reactions were often linked to how they felt about their facial difference prior to lockdown. So some people didn't consider their visible difference to be really an issue in their daily lives pre-lockdown and suggested that that was the same during. But for other people, they discussed experiencing appearance related concerns before lockdown. And then they found that often lockdown presented new challenges that were then difficult to manage because of these concerns. So, for example, as I think Di and Ella have both touched on, having more time to think about their appearance concerns or feeling uncomfortable using video calls or wearing a mask was something that came up quite often. Um, so some people talked about the mask in terms of that drawing more attention to their visible difference, whereas, as I think we wondered might be the case, others found a comfort in being able to hide their difference. Um, but even then, there were kind of considerations and, and it made them think about how people respond to them normally. So then something else we noticed was that some participants described the impact of COVID really taking a priority during that time. And there was a positive impact because there was a reduced focus on their visible difference. They were thinking about it less and there was something else that was taking up more of their kind of energy and their thinking. But some were also then concerned about the ongoing impact that that focus might have on resources. Um, so on their healthcare, on their treatment and on the kind of support that was available to people with a visible difference. Um, so overall, we think that the findings really suggest that not everybody who has a visible difference was struggling with appearance issues during lockdown. But for those who were having difficulties, they were really reporting new challenges specific to COVID and specific to lockdown, like wearing masks, like video calling. Um, and it might be in the future that those people would benefit from some additional support. That's great. Thank you both for sharing those really interesting findings. And so I think, Pippa, you might have alluded to this somewhat, but I was wondering if you could comment on what you think the impact will be once kind of lockdown restrictions are finally lifted for those with visible differences. So some people talked about a potential anxiety when lockdown restrictions lifted and really having to kind of get used again to daily interactions with people and managing others' reactions to their visible difference. But I think that's something really we'd like to find out more about as well, depending on how society changes in the long term. Are we going to see video calls kind of remaining a common way of interacting? Is that going to be something that becomes really normal and just part of how we work and how we socialise? Or will wearing masks become a really common thing in public places, for example, or on public transport? So I think at the moment it, we're thinking it'd be really important to find out again how people with a visible difference will feel about changes like that 
um, so that the right support can be put in place if necessary. Yeah, I, I agree with all that Pippa said. And I think what's really interesting that's come out of um, both the qualitative and the quantitative study is the variety in people's experiences, the full range. And that's somewhat to some extent, that's not surprising because in all our previous research, we know that some people manage the challenges of having a visible difference very well and it's not a major issue for them or they've learned to adjust to it. Um, whereas for other people, it can still be a real struggle and those people may benefit from support and intervention. So um, as people were saying, you know, I think some people are going to be very relieved when lockdown is over and eager to get back to their usual very busy lives. But others might be worried about going back into busier social situations, especially if they felt somewhat protected from the reactions of other people during lockdown. But there's so much uncertainty going forwards. None of us know to what extent we will be doing all of the things we did beforehand or whether they'll be changed in some way. But I think what um, this um, these studies have shown is it kind of shines a spotlight on some of the issues and how we can't assume that everybody will be responding in the same way and the importance of researching issues like this so that we can think about what support and intervention might be useful for some people going forwards. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Thank you. So what do you all think might be important future research directions in the field of visible difference in light of the pandemic? Uh, I think generally and, and in terms of the quantitative work that we've done, it will be really important to look at the longer term impact that the pandemic has on um, people with visible differences uh, in terms of when things change, if they do change, how our lives might adapt and the kind of potential impact that that might have on, um, on people with visible differences. Will things be as we've seen so far or will we see changes um, either for the positive or the negative in terms of outcomes? Um, you know, as has been discussed before, we might see that people have um, become more kind of confident about their appearance and um, perhaps learn to kind of conceal their appearance less during this period of time. But on the other side, on the other hand, we might find that people are feeling more socially anxious um, and less used to social situations and perhaps um, may feel that they're experiencing more stigma. So it will be interesting to see the kind of longer term impact in that respect. Our, our research so far has focused on adults' experiences, and I think it would be interesting and important to understand something about the experiences of children and young people with visible differences during um, lockdown, because they've also, uh, many of them have had the situation of not being in school, so the normal support that they might get from their friends um, hasn't been there. Equally, that might mean that some of the challenging situations they sometimes experience in school, they haven't had to confront either. So I think the particular experiences and needs of children and young people with visible differences during lockdown and COVID um, would be really interesting to look at. And something that came up in the qualitative study, I guess, is the potential impact on healthcare and support for people with a visible difference. So some of the people we interviewed were quite concerned about the potential delays or cancellations of operations or treatments. And um, particularly, even if they weren't concerned for themselves, they were quite often kind of mindful that they had had such fantastic support and such fantastic care. And they worried that that might not be available for people 
in the immediate future um, because of the impact of COVID. So it'll be really important to understand what the impact is on the kind of care and support that's being offered to people with a visible difference. Yeah, great. All very interesting uh, research questions and things to think about in the future. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been really interesting talking to you about this important research that's been going on at CAR. Very Mm -hmm. current, and I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy finding out more about the work that's been done recently at CAR. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, Bruna. Thanks, Bruna. Thanks, Bruna. That's just such interesting work there. And I'm aware there is some overlap here between the research just discussed at CAR and the work that's been done at Changing Faces as well. So I think we should just dive straight into the next guest. Agreed. So just to recap, the next guest we have is Catherine Deakin, who Jade has already told you about. She's the Director of Fundraising and Communications at Changing Faces. Um, It was a really great opportunity to hear from Catherine uh, about the fab work that Changing Faces have been doing over the past few months on this issue. So over to Catherine. Great. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us today on Appearance Matters, the podcast. So you're from Changing Faces. I wonder if you could start by telling our listeners a bit more about the brilliant work that Changing Faces does and also what your role is within the charity. Hi, Bruna. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's so lovely to join you. So Changing Faces is the UK's leading charity for everyone with a visible difference. So this could be a mark or scar or condition that makes them look different. And this could be something that you're born with, like a birthmark or, or something that you acquire later in life, such as scarring from an accident or post-cancer treatment. And what we do is that we offer counselling, wellbeing and skin camouflage services for people with visible differences who need some help to cope. But importantly, also, we campaign for a society which values and respects people with visible differences and people who look different, um, enabling them to live the lives they want to choose and Um, tackling things like abuse and discrimination that sadly too often our community face and my role at Changing Faces is that I'm the director of fundraising and communications there so I've been in my role for about three years and I oversee all of our fundraising um, activity from our amazing supporters but also really importantly the campaigning work we do too. Brilliant that's really really impressive and we're as I say so very happy to have you on the podcast today Um, So as you know, the focus of today's episode is on the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown has had, particularly on those with visible differences. Um, I know that Change of Faces has recently done some work in this area, so I wonder if you could maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Yes, so it's always been really important to Changing Faces to really champion the voices of people with visible differences and through our services and campaigns to be responsive to their needs right now. And we're very much led by our community. So, you know, for example, we co-develop and we front all of our campaigns with people with visible differences and they very much help inform and develop our services too. Um, And as such, it felt really important to us um, at this you know, critical point of going into the pandemic and crisis to be able to kind of bring our community together, bring people with visible differences together to share their often very diverse experiences of what they're experiencing during the pandemic and and understand and capture, you know, what was the impact of the crisis and what, what impact it's having on them, but also kind of pull together and work together to, to call for a better future and, and changes and support that's needed. 
Um, and what's kind of really clear from COVID is that it's such a unprecedented period of kind of stress and anxiety and isolation for everyone. But it's especially clear that people with visible differences have been amongst those kind of really hardest hit by the pandemic. And we knew at Changing Faces we, we needed to make sure that people with visible differences were being seen and heard during this kind of really difficult time. So we, we focused um, since the pandemic began on kind of sharing the stories and experiences of our community during lockdown. Um, you know, sharing about the isolation, the challenges that they're facing right now alongside, um, you know, what they're hoping for when when we come out of the pandemic and, and look, look forward to recovery. Um, so to support this work, a few weeks into lockdown, kind of in early April, we, we launched a kind of snapshot survey for a month. We went out on social media through our website and through our newsletter to ask our community to tell us how they were feeling. Um, to tell us how they thought the pandemic was impacting them and really importantly to kind of share what support they might need now but also kind of looking ahead to the future and we were so pleased that we had an amazing response from the community so over 100 people um, replied sharing their experiences and this is really important data and insight so it helped us kind of really look um, carefully at what kind of they were experiencing and respond quickly so for example um, through the survey data we were able to understand kind of what issues people were facing and develop new kind of COVID specific support and services. Um, we also use the data kind of to help us pivot the theme of some of our campaigns. And most importantly, we were due to have a, a kind of key national awareness week for us, um, Face Equality Week in May. And we chose to completely kind of pivot the theme of that to focus on the pandemic and how people were feeling during that. And to continue uh, asking our community how they're feeling, um, again, um, over six months later in December last year, we launched a second snapshot survey. So again, this kind of ran for around a kind of month, two month period in the field. And again, we had over 100 responses from people who identified as having a visible difference. Um, so all of these kind of surveys and the responses of our community have been really, really helpful for us to kind of have um, clear data and insight into what our community needs right now in the moment. Yeah, thanks, Catherine. That sounds like really, really interesting and important work. So you've touched on this already a little bit, but I'm wondering if you could tell me a bit more about what it was that you found in these two surveys and what kind of support and resources Changing Faces have developed as a result since to support their membership base with regards to concerns around lockdown and the COVID pandemic. So the findings from both the surveys are really, really interesting. So what we saw from across both the survey in May and the survey in December is that many of our community um, tell us they've actually been relatively kind of um, comfortable in lockdown situations. So many have actually kind of experienced periods where they've self-isolated before um, because of things like bullying. Um, so they were actually kind of quite kind of comfortable in lockdown situations. What was quite concerning to see was that um, we were seeing a number of people saying that their mental health had got worse because of the pandemic. So the the pandemic actually worsened their their mental health. And when we first got uh, got in touch with people in May, over half of respondents said that their their mental health had got worse. By the time we surveyed again in December, realising it was actually a different cohort of people, still we were seeing two thirds of respondents saying their mental health had got worse because of the crisis. And 
I think there's a kind of number of reasons that kind of came out through the survey, but also when we're having conversations with our community and talking to people like our ambassadors and campaigners. Um, you know, our community tell us they're going to get stressed and anxious about going out in public. Um, they're facing, like all of us, disruption to things like school and work, but they're also coping with very specific appearance related challenges, such as wearing face masks, um, dealing with video calls and seeing your face on calls all day. Um, but also many of them have health um, issues and underlying conditions that mean they're more vulnerable to the virus. Um, through the survey, they told us that um, they were struggling with isolation. So one of the things we heard was, um, understandably, the support networks they may have naturally lent on before, like family and friends, they've been harder to kind of access during this period. So we're hearing from them that, you know, obviously family and friends have less emotional bandwidth to support them when they're kind of struggling with their appearance. And particularly in the December survey, we saw a significant increase in those finding it difficult to kind of keep in touch with family and friends and get the support there. But happily, I mean, looking to ahead to life after lockdown, um, the surveys did show that um, an increase from when we surveyed in May to when we surveyed in December um, in terms of confidence about going out after lockdown ends. And I think this is mostly because when we first surveyed people in May, that was our first lockdown experience. And we've experienced, um, sadly, several lockdowns since then. So, um, you know, our, our community is feeling relatively confident about when restrictions end. Um, what we are seeing is a rise in people who are preferring wearing masks um, across a period of kind of May to December. So we hear um, varying experience from, from our community on this issue. Some find masks a comfort if their visible difference is less visible. Some actually tell us that it actually makes kind of interactions with other people more difficult because they can't manage people's reactions by smiling or engaging as, as much. Um, so I think our community is kind of feeling, you know, life after lockdown, um, there is an increase in confidence about managing when we're kind of all together again, but um, still some concerns around, you know, what life will be like in terms of wearing masks and interacting with people. With regards to when we were talking in the survey to, to our community about accessing support, it was really interesting to see in December that over a quarter of our community had accessed mental health support. Um, uh, connected to a visible difference and um, actually it kind of came out that the kind of one-to-one counselling had been most popular. Um, what's been really clear across both surveys and in our anecdotal conversations with our community is that the visible difference community would like more support for the mental health and they would like to see more support online um, and there's a lot of um, value there within our community for both accessing online support but also face-to-face -face and the importance of both in ensuring they get the care they need. Brilliant Catherine thank you so much for sharing those findings they're very very interesting and interesting also how you mentioned that you found differences uh, among kind of the respondents to those surveys too which shows how people cope differently and um, it's important to be able to provide support to different people who may or may not need it. So in light of those findings then Catherine, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about what kind of support and resources Changing Faces have been able to develop and offer their members. Yes, of course. I mean, I was really proud of um, how Changing Faces was able to respond really quickly to the initial findings that we had in May. 
Um, so we worked really quickly to adapt and and also expand the well-being support we were providing because it was obvious there was an immediate um, well-being and mental health need. So we quickly moved all of our counselling services to run over the phone and video call, for example. Um, we were really pleased to be able to launch a, a new peer group chat service for our community from May onwards. Um, and we developed specific COVID themed support um, on things like our online forum, but also um, on our website to respond to certain issues that have been flagged by our community in May. So, for example, we produce specific fact sheets on issues like dealing with video calls um, and new ways of pe for people to access that kind of content, too. So we, we've got a few audio relaxation sessions on there, too. Um, and across May and December, these findings have been really helpful to make sure our services continue to be responsive to how people's needs are evolving over the crisis, because, you know, it's, it's so fast moving. Um, it's really helpful for us to kind of be up to date in terms of how people are thinking and feeling about the pandemic and, and the support they need. Um, importantly, it's also helped us across both the surveys um, develop campaigns that are also responsive and and what we've really done over the pandemic period is look to kind of pivot our campaigns to focus much more on enabling our community to share their experiences and to hear from our community um, we've also done things like we've stepped up our support on social media um, so people are hearing from us in different ways and the uh, the findings from both surveys helped us launch a, a new podcast series, um, which um, is called Voices of Visible Difference. And again, that's um, people with visible differences, uh, our ambassadors and campaigners sharing their first hand experiences of, of challenges during the pandemic. And that's covered everything from wearing a face mask to relationships. Um, and I guess what I'd say to anyone listening is if, if you have a visible difference or, or you know someone who does, I'd really kind of urge anyone who, who needs a bit of help or is struggling to kind of check out our website because we do now have this kind of very much COVID specific hub of information and support on our website. Um, so do get in touch with us and we're committed to continuing to do these surveys because they will help us make sure we're responding to the needs of our community both now and, and into the future too. That sounds brilliant, Catherine. Thanks for sharing that. It's um, very clear that Changing Faces have really adapted their practice recently and made the support that's available to members very informed by the feedback that they received in these surveys. And it's really great to hear. It's also very interesting to hear you talk about how Changing Faces have adapted the way that they are able to offer support and making things much more remote and including, as you mentioned, social media. Um, and that's a common theme that I'm hearing when I'm speaking to different people, including healthcare professionals. Everybody's practice is having to kind of adapt and shift due to the pandemic. So I was wondering what you think about that and how easy maybe that has been or hasn't been for Changing Faces. Yes, yeah, so I, I think for Changing Faces, we, we always had a strategy was, which was very much around um, we knew if we wanted to reach more people with visible differences and provide the support they needed, that we'd need to focus on digital. And I, I guess what COVID has done for so many charities, including us, is, um, you know, really accelerate that work. Um, so, you know, we were able to um, move quickly to move things like our counselling services online. It was it was quite, um, quite a smooth process in terms of we were lucky enough that we were able to move to working remotely um, fairly smoothly. 
but it did kind of introduce new um, things for us to think about, you know, for example, about how to support our, our counsellors who are supporting people who are going to going through really difficult situations from from the comfort of their own lounges or their kitchen tables. Um, so we had we had a whole new um, suite of challenges to make sure we were providing the best experience for our community because it was online. Um, what it has meant is that we've probably been able to reach some people who naturally wouldn't have been able to access our services because of things like their location or their circumstances or even like their financial situation, which is just fantastic. So, um, you know, we're really pleased we've been able to move online. And I, I do think we'll continue to see um, this commitment to, you know, providing both online and face to face support. But um, I think we'll continue to see that need from our community to access support online um, and to be able to access support as early as they can. Um, what's really interesting from the survey findings is that people still do really value the face to face interactions. But I just think it's it's great to see we've got a breadth of offer that includes online support too. That's really brilliant. Thank you. It's really good to be able to identify the positives um, that have happened over the past year. I mean, there's been a lot of struggles for people to deal with, but there's also been some good things to come out of the pandemic. And I suppose one of them is um, everybody making their practice maybe more accessible and inclusive for people, as you say, whether it be geographical barriers or financial barriers. And um, that's really great to hear that Change of Faces has also been doing that. So one of the positives from from moving online as well has been, you know, we're seeing this challenge of our community feeling quite isolated. And one of the things we've always heard from people with visible differences is that um, they never see anyone else that looks like them and they never meet anyone else that kind of is going through their experiences. But when they do do, it's really powerful and just the kind of power of being online to to enable people to connect online. Um, has been really fascinating during the pandemic. So yeah, being able to launch an online peer group service where people could meet with others going through what they're going through um, is enormously impactful in terms of tackling isolation. And I think we've really realised the, the power of our communities on social media too and how important that platform is. Obviously, there's loads of difficulties around social media and, you know, we know that people with visible differences can not always find it a safe space and they face issues like online harassment that other people don't. But equally, being able to connect with other people who are going through the same experiences you are um, and seeing their stories and feeling like you're not alone is really powerful. And I hope that, you know, we can continue to kind of build and grow upon that um, as we as we look to a future, you know, beyond the pandemic. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Catherine. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners today or any information you'd like to give? Thank you, Bruna. Um, it's been such an interesting conversation and, and so great to share some of the insights we've had from our community. And I'm so grateful for them continuing to kind of share their experiences and tell their stories during a really difficult time. Um, what I would say is just that if anyone's listening to this podcast and has a visible difference or knows someone or a loved one who also has a visible difference, I just really encourage you to get in touch with Changing Faces. We're here to support you if you're struggling. Um, we do have COVID specific information on our website. Uh, we have a support and information line you can call to get more help too. Um, so please do reach out. And if you're a healthcare professional listening, 
I'd really encourage you again to kind of check out our website and get in touch because we can support you with your clients. So no, just a huge thank you um, for supporting us to come on and talk about our survey. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much again for coming on and sharing the amazing work that Change the Faces has been doing through this very difficult time. I'm so pleased that we had both research from CAR and also Changing Faces showcased on this subject. And honestly, I was thinking throughout the interviews, which were all great, by the way, Bruna, um, side note, (laughs) and which you mentioned at the end of Catherine's interview. And I was like, yes, I was actually thinking that the whole way at how everyone has so quickly been able to adapt to the pandemic and really capture the experiences of those with visible differences in light of all the changes that have been brought on during yeah what what we've been going through for the last year mm-hmm. which I also think is really important as Catherine put uh, very well in considering how then to support those in the community with visible differences for she used an example of um support sheets for people who has a visible difference dealing with video calls and I think that's so useful that you've been able to adapt and like hear from these people in this community and then think about ways to help them. And so I just think it's all great and hats off to those who managed to pivot so well in light of all the changes. And and regarding what Catherine mentioned too, I want to I want to note that we will be putting a link to Changing Faces website in our show notes. So for any of you to access those resources if you need. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really enjoyed speaking with both the researchers from CAR and Catherine and hearing about the work that's been going on behind the scenes. Um, As you said, Jade, I think it's really important that the voices of people with visible differences continue to be showcased uh, through research and then also translated into practice, um, such as the development of support resources like what Change in Faces have done. Great. And I think that that is all we have time for on this episode. The the guests have done a great job at providing so much detail on this research and we'd like to say a huge thank you to our guests Di, Pippa, Ella and Catherine for sharing such important research and a big cheers to you Bruno with my cappuccino (laughs) that's going cold. Cheers with my water, keep them hydrated. (laughs) Cheers to your first episode on the podcast. Thanks, Jade, for the warm welcome. As I said, I'm really thrilled about being a part of the podcast team and for more chances going forward to be a part of these really exciting episodes. Um, As ever, thank you so much for listening to Appearance Matters, the podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to share, subscribe, rate and review. It helps other people find the podcast and it also gives us a little boost to keep doing what we do. It really does. And remember, you can keep up to date with our centre's work on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. All the links are in our bio. Until next time. Bye. Bye.